and really what we want to do today is, I think a lot of times when I've sat in, when people talk about marriage, when, te- when people talk about parenting, when, when you talk about any of those things, especially when you're in the seat that you are now, there is this tendency to just feel like, like guilty about things. Like I'm blowing it as a parent. Um, I'm not doing as good as so-and-so. Or we start playing all these like comparison games of things that, you know, I wish I would have done or if I could have only did this. And the truth is, the reason that we invite you into our family today is to, to let you know that, to be honest with you, we're a, a perfectly average family. Um, we have flaws. Claire and I constantly blow it um, with our kids, and we're not nailing it as parents. We're learning just like you are along the way. And so I want to speak to that. I think both of us really want to speak to that today, that, you know what, wherever you're at on the spectrum, whether the kids are out of the house or whether you're in knee-deep right now, like, it doesn't matter what you've done or where you're at in your relationship with God and your relationship with your kids, that God wants to do something in you today and that God can work within that. So we talked about um, that God can actually work in the middle of the mess, that he's actually in the middle of the mess that you're in right now. And Claire's about to speak to that uh, in a moment. But before we do, I think some of us are asking the questions like, okay, if I have small kids, like, how do I manage my job? How do I manage a relationship with Jesus? How do I manage a marriage? And then how do I still be a good parent that is actively involved in my kid's life? Because it just seems like it's just impossible to be a loving, good parent in the middle of the chaos um, of my life. So why don't, you, why don't you speak to a little bit that God is actually working in that chaos, that he is actually working in the middle of our mess? Yeah, okay, so... I feel like my whole heartbeat, everything that God has spoken to me, um, the most important probably thing that God has spoken to me is that God didn't expect perfection from me. And God doesn't expect perfection from you either. So how many of y'all wish you could be the perfect parent? Or, I mean, if you're not a parent, whatever. I mean, perfect person, like that you don't fail, you don't hurt someone. Anyone out there? Oh, absolutely. Okay, so yeah, I think we all internally, we wish we could be perfect. Um, And I think the thing that God spoke to me one day was that he, he intentionally made us so that we weren't perfect, because in our imperfections, we lean into him. So in our imperfect moments in parenting, even, um, we lean into Christ. We, we say, okay, God, I'm not enough, but you are. Um, another thing that is really um, not just us and us realizing our need of God, but our kids, whenever we fail and we blow it, we can, um, we can just now point our children to God and say, look, I can't be everything you need. I was never intended to be everything you need, actually. I can never be perfect on my own. But God is. And we can now point our children to Christ through our failure. It doesn't have to be a failure that messes stuff up. It can actually be something that points our children to God and how good God is and that he doesn't, he doesn't fail us. So, um, so I think that was something that was really big for me to realize. Um, and I guess um, the other part that I really... God... Like Zach said, God works in the middle of our mess, and he designed it that way. Um, and, in fact, he wants, he wants us to, I guess, give ourselves some grace so that we can allow him to work in it. A lot of times we try to control it so much and try to act like we don't make mistakes. Yeah. Anyone been there? Like where you like, try to like, have it together so much um, and show people that you have it together so much so that uh, you really miss out on what God wants to do. He wants you to just be like, okay, I need, I need some help. God, Absolutely. I need you to come here. Yeah, and well, I think one of the things that we were discussing yesterday was even, like, listen to this. Even if your kids had the perfect parents, the perfect life, grew up in the perfect home, and never did anything wrong, when they moved out of your house, there would still be this dissatisfaction if they were not finding joy, peace, and happiness in Christ. Okay, so you can try to view yourself as, like, man, if I would have just— been a little bit better as a, as a parent, or if I could have just nailed it, or if I could have just been perfect, or if everything in my home just would have worked as planned, and my kids wouldn't have been whatever, you fill in the blank. But the truth is, at the end of the day, like each person, when they move out of your house, they're going to be responsible for their own walk and their own relationship with Jesus. So I think that there should be a peace and comfort in that, that, hey, my job as a parent is just to equip them to pursue Christ, I don't have to be perfect. So even in the middle of your mess, when when life is busy and things are going on, and maybe you're blowing it as a parent, you know one of the best things that you can do is actually like tell your kids like, "Hey, I'm dad's sorry. 
Mom, sorry. Hey, we, we blew it today, and I wish that we could have uh, not done that, or I wish I would have not spoke out of anger. I wish I would have not handled that situation. You know what I mean? Yeah, true. So let's talk about what the Bible actually says about parenting, because um, I think a lot of us actually want to know that. So what, is, what does the Bible actually teach us um, about parenting? And before we jump into the scriptures, if you have a Bible, you can turn with me to Deuteronomy 4.9. If you want to hold your finger there, we'll, we'll get to it in just a moment. But I think a lot of us, when we come to sermons or when we come to talks like this, we're, we're looking, like, I want to walk out of these doors with, like, some practical applications. What are some things that I can put into place that are going to help me as a parent? So one of the things um, that we want to talk about first before we get into the scriptures, that you cannot even live out any of the practical things, and you cannot operate out of joy and peace as a parent unless you're doing um, this first thing. And number one, you've got to allow God to work in you first. Like if you want to be a good parent, then number one, the thing that you cannot ignore is you have to allow God to do something and shape something and you first before you can ever begin to shape your children. Do you want and if to you want to, that? if you want to raise godly kids, you have to allow God to make you that godly person as an example. I mean, this isn't just reply to parents. This applies to, I mean, if you want a spouse to love you and to treat you with respect or whatever, you have to be that person to them. Allow God to work in you. I mean, if you're single, I mean, you want to find someone, most of you want to find someone who is a, a great future spouse, but you have to allow God to work in you first. It goes all around, like we just need God to work in us. Absolutely. Well, and and you think about it, and maybe you could speak to this a little bit, but we notice it all the time with literally five (laughs) kids constantly around us, constantly in our space, constantly, constantly, (laughs) always around us. But you would be shocked if you just took a step back for a moment to really see how much they pick up on. Not even just the words, but like even the mannerisms. So like one of the things that I do, I didn't even know I did this until I saw my two-year-old constantly like mimicking me. I'm like, why does he do do that? And like Claire's like, because you always do that. Peter walks around with his hands in his pocket all the time. He's just walking around. He looks like the coolest, slickest dude. He's always got his hands in his pocket. I was like, why does he do that? And she's like, well, you always walk with your hands in your pocket. Or he'd be walking like, and if I could show you, like he walks around when, when his brothers are talking to him and they're explaining a game like Peter's, you put the Legos here. He's like, yes. And he's got his hands like behind his back and he walks like in this very like stoic kind of way. And I'm like, man, I do that. And so listen, if you want to raise kids um, that are going to serve God, then you, you you would be fooling yourself if you're going to raise kids that would grow up to serve God if you can't go and do that yourself. Like, your kids are mimicking everything that you do. Absolutely And I think everything. another thing, a lot of our kids, you can imagine this. Imagine you as a child. You don't want someone to just tell you what to do and what not to do. Instead, you want, I mean, that kind of robs the joy out of it, right? If you just, like, say, don't do this, do this. But if you see someone instead exam- exemplify that, yeah. And you see the joy in their life as they live out for God, and they, they find joy in God, and they fight to know God. It's like a fresh breath of air instead of a stale, staleness in there. Of, of, um, Absolutely. Yeah, makes sense. No, and, and I think that ultimately your kids, they're always watching you. They're always looking at you. And to be honest with you, they're not just looking to mimic what you're doing. They're, they're looking at, like, show me how to live, Dad. Mom, like, how do I do this thing called life? Like, wh- I, I'm, they don't know that that's what they're doing, but that's what they're doing. And they're sealing in things in their memory, in their head. Like, and every move that you make is going to be so important. And that's why you've got to seek God first. So look, let's look at what the scripture actually says. This is uh, Deuteronomy 4.9. And I love this. It says, Only take care and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children. So listen, what is this verse saying? Before you can ever pass on anything to your kids, before you can ever teach them anything that, 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 that is going on, that you first have to keep your own soul. Um, I, I've used this analogy before, but I think it, I can't think of a better one because it just fits for what we're talking about. But here's the truth. 
if you're tuning your heart daily, um, meaning, why don't, why don't you just talk about that? What does tuning your heart daily actually mean? I'm not a musician, but <laughs> Zach's a musician. So I've seen him all the time. Actually, I used to t- turn the little knobs on the, the uh, guitar whenever we were dating. Oh, and I'm like, do? oh, that's so fun. Um, but <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't really realize it was a big deal. But now I see it's a big deal. Um, but I'm like, oh, my gosh, can you stop messing with your guitar? Like, every time you pick it up, he'd mess with it first. And I didn't realize what he was doing. What he's doing is he's tuning it. He's making it. Um, you could give better explanation of what that is. <laughs> but um, ev- I could tell you that it goes out of tune every time yes. you put it down, every time you leave it, every time you um, someone else touches it, um, every time you play it, it goes out of tune. Absolutely. So what Zach does, you can go ahead and share what you, well, what you do. So, so if you're a musician in here, you would understand this. Every time like you get into a re- recording studio or every time you pick it up to play, you've got to tune that guitar because all of your fingers could be in the right position. But if that string, that one string is off, you know, the one that she turned, it's always the B string. The one that she turned, if that is off, you can have all your fingers in the right place and it still sounds terrible, like absolutely terrible. So the analogy works this way, that nothing ever um, stays where you left it. So if I tuned my guitar perfectly, left it in the corner for two weeks. When I pick it back up again, chances are it's probably out of tune. Why? The, the change of the temperature in the room, the weather, whatever it is, it changed that guitar. And it's the same thing with your heart. Man, you could pursue God and have this crazy good encounter with Jesus one Sunday morning. Or maybe you're at a life group, you're at one of our life groups, and you're just, man, God's really speaking to me. God's doing something in me. And the reason that you feel that connection is because of the fact that you're pursuing God in that moment. In that moment, you're, you're learning to connect with Jesus. And so every single day, are you carving out time to retune? Just, it's just like that instrument that goes out of tune. Like you can, you can put all your hands in the right places. You can do all the right things. But if it's not in tune, it sounds absolutely awful. So your parenting in, then would be off. It wouldn't be, it would, it would sound off. I guess your parenting would sound off if you're not tuned correctly, if you're not allowing God to speak to you and to work in you. And that's marriage would be off. Your relationship with your parents would be off. That's life, just life in general, if you're not tuned correctly with the Lord. Absolutely. Well, and it means this, you can only fake being joyful in parenting for so long before like the monster comes out, right? <laughs> you can Come on, y'all know that monster. Come on. <laughs> You can only fake, like, I'm, I enjoy this. I, I just enjoy staying home and folding the laundry and, and, and having kids that I just clean the table and throwing hot Cheetos all over the place. Like, you can only fake being joyful in that moment for so long. So, so let me give it to you this way. Your kids are going to offer you plenty of opportunities as parents to untune you. Plenty. Right? So many, many opportunities for you to be untuned. So, so let me just give you, let, let's, let's invite you into our home for a second and let me give you an opportunity that one of my children, I won't say his name, he's the second son in our family, um, that gave me an opportunity to be untuned. So about a year ago, it was almost a year, uh, about a year and a half ago now, we moved to Crowley, we bought a home, a newly remodeled home. And you know how when you get something new, like you're a stickler about new stuff, Right? Like, when you get something new, like, I mean, I thought that I could control it, but I realized I couldn't, you know. But you, at the walls in the house, you're like, don't touch the wall. You know, son, I, I know you, you live in this house, but your hands will never touch that wall. Like, you know, like, I know that you walk around. And, and so one day, I come into our, 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 uh, our kid's bathroom, and I see this drawing on the wall. And it wasn't a drawing that I put there intentionally. Okay, and I'm like, what is this? It's this blue pen that has it's been drawn. squiggly line, so it's not like a picture, a cute picture that you can... Yeah, I don't think he's really into the master class art yet. You know, he's more like abstract. Um, and so he just, he went to town with this blue line. So I was like, man, I got to figure out who this is. And instantly, you know, as a parent, when you see most things, you can, you usually, you know who it is. So I'm like, Isaac, did you draw in the bathroom? He's like, yes, sir. I was like, okay, listen, don't. It's okay, just go clean it up, which it still hasn't been cleaned up. Um, I said, just, you know, I forgive you, just don't do it again. A few days go by. I'm sitting down at our table, and I see the same abstract Picasso painting on my table again. And I'm like, what in the world is going on? 
So a few days later go by, um, and not only had he drawn on the bathroom wall, he had drawn on our table. He actually, these are our chairs. He drew, he drew on the chairs. On these, yeah, yeah, right there. You can see it. I don't think you can see it. Um, but he, he drew on this chair. And then about um, a few months ago, we have this new van, and I walk into the van, and uh, we have these leather seats, and there's this console, and he went to town on these leather seats, and like this The console, console, yeah, the, the, console. the leather seat. And I lost it. Like, I totally lost it. Like, I, my cool, just like, you know, the car, in the, the cartoon with the steam coming out of the ears? Like, it was protruding out of my ears, for sure. Like, and I totally blew it. I totally lost it. And my heart had the greatest opportunity to just be untuned, and I did not handle um, the situation well at all. So here's what I had to do in the middle of that. After he had just drew on literally absolutely half of the things that we own, um, I have to come in after I blew it. And, you know, he's, Isaac is a very sensitive, just very, very sensitive. And I had to come in and I said, you know what, bud? Dad blew it. I blew it. And I think as parents sometimes we deal with this pride issue of like, you know, because my, my kids did something wrong, you justify in your own mind. Like, it's, a, it's totally okay for me to blow it and lose it because they did something wrong, and it's totally okay for me to, like, you know, smite them um, for it. But and in reality, if you, if you use sin to, to deal with sin, like if you use your sin and anger to deal with your child's sin and whatever that was, you can pretty much picture that doesn't, that's not how God does things, and he doesn't, uh, he, he doesn't restore things that way. Yeah. And, and listen, the, the, one of the greatest things that you can do as a parent is create safe places for your kids to be able to come to you. And so if you're always reacting out like, you know, you just blow up and you totally lose it. Um, if you're not coming back after that and saying, hey, listen, dad, I blew up. I messed up. I sinned. I got to ask God for forgiveness. And like we repent right there in front of them. And they see that, hey, you know, dad's not perfect. Mom's not perfect. They we see need that, Jesus just as much as they need Jesus to say that to them so that they know it. Absolutely. Um, so I guess the question now is when you have those moments, when your kids give you those opportunities to be untuned, and I'm sure you could fill in the blank. I'm sure it's some of it maybe more drastic than writing on a wall or a van or, or, or whatever. Um, what do we do to practically realign ourselves, to, to retune ourselves? Why don't you talk about that? I mean, I think for all of us, it's going to look different. So we've used the phrase before, and I know it may get tiring, but we, to, what God, um, we start our affections to know God. So whatever um, makes you want to know God more. I mean, if you like to drink coffee and read a Bible or read a book about God, um, together, then do that. If, if you like to be in beautiful scenery so that you can connect with God and you feel like God stirs, makes you want to know him more with that, then do that. Um, reading your Bible, listening to podcasts, listening to worship music, being around community, yeah. having lunch with a good friend who you can be honest with, all these things. That's how God retunes our hearts so that we're in connection with him. Absolutely. So, I mean, I guess to put it even simpler or put it into perspective, like, what do you need to do on a daily basis that sparks your interest to want to know God? Like, what, what is that? You know, and that's why we talk about life groups so much. That's why they're so important. Because maybe, maybe you're praying right now. Maybe you're reading your Bible. Maybe you're doing all the things that you know how to do. And still nothing's working. You know, you still find yourself blowing it. You still find yourself, you know, I'm just not doing or I'm not responding how I ought to be. And oftentimes... Um, the correct response is only going to come out by you diving into community and just asking questions. Um, so, so let's put it this way, and let's help clarify this a little bit more. What are some of the areas that we all need tuning in as a parent, right? Because if we're going to be good parents, if we want to learn how to, to raise godly kids, then, then first we, we, we have this understanding already from Deuteronomy that we have to work on ourselves first. So what are some areas that we need to work on ourselves? Why don't you speak to the first one? Um, selfishness. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, selfishness. I think uh, we, at some point we're just going to have to accept the, the fact that parenting equals sacrifice. And you can take it with joy. You can take it res- with resentment. Yeah, I so mean, it's, there's no other way around it. It just it, it equals sacrifice, and you're going to have to lay down yourself. You're going to have to give up your wants. You're going to have to stop for the thousandth question. 
um, on the same thing in the the five minute period where you're trying to read your Bible. I mean, it, it's gonna you're gonna have to just let it go, and yeah. you can be angry or you can be joyful and say, okay, whatever. It's not that important. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and and look at it this way, and I think my wife does this really well, and she's taught me a lot about this. Is there's going to be times when you wake up in the morning and you have an opportunity to choose what your day is going to look like, really. Okay, so you're going to wake up. So let me put it to you this way. Like, we all understand that forgiveness is not an emotion. It's a choice, right? You know, it's not how you feel in that moment. Well, parenting is a, is a lot like this, is the same way. You can wake up in the morning and, l- let's be honest, you feel exhausted. You feel tired. You feel depleted. You feel all these things. Fill in the blank. But the truth is, you got to, in that moment, I've got to make a choice. God to not be selfish today. I'm going to seek you in that five, ten minutes, those 20 minutes that I have, and I'm going to make a choice that today is going to be a good day, and today, ultimately, we're going to get something accomplished. And Even I think if you feel discouraged, some people, I mean, I'm sure all, some of you, probably all of us at some point has woken up feeling just discouraged, like, I just, I'm terrible at this parenting thing. Why did God trust me with this? Yeah. And you, you choose to walk in discouragement and miss the opportunities that you could use, that you could grow in now, and that God wants to use you in now. Or you can do like David did. And I'm going to focus my energy on strengthening myself in the Lord. Absolutely. Well, and, and, and thinking about it this way, that if you could just come to terms now, the parenting is a sacrifice, just accept that. Like, just accept that you're going to be tired. <laughs> like, just, just accept that there's going to be times that it's going to be chaotic. Just accept that, and so you can go, okay, this is just life in this season right now, and this is what I've got to deal with. And when you can come to that acceptance, then guess what? Now you can deal with it head on. And I think what a lot of us do is we try to ignore that reality so much. We try to busy it. We try to numb it. Like, I don't, I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to. And so we find all these different ways to try to distract ourselves that create deeper selfishness. Which leads to the second point, busyness. Yeah. So I think one of the things that, that we all struggle with is just being way too busy. And to be honest with you, being busy with stuff that really doesn't matter. Um, I think you got to slow down enough to really understand what's going on in your kids. Because you know, they may be six years old, seven years old, five years old, but do you know that they really do think deeply about some things in life? Um, so I'll let her tell the story in a moment. But so one day, um, you know, Isaac seemed really off. Like something was going on, like, man, what, what's going on? And as a parent, you're, tr- you're noticing different things. You're trying to pick up on different things. And he didn't really want to play outside that day, which, you know, for uh, a six-year-old boy is not normal, okay? Any opportunity they have to go rub in the dirt, they're, they're going to take it. And so Claire kind of had to lean in and figure out, man, what's going on? And, <laughs> and what's, what was so going on was actually pretty after funny. After I asked him, I, sometimes when you ask kids, okay, how many of y'all have had the response of good or nothing, okay? Is that Raise your hand if you've had that response when you ask your kids. A lot of times they're genuine. They don't know what's bothering them, okay? So I think an, another <laughs> good thing to do, a practical thing, would be to give them a scale of saying, okay, well, is this what's bothering you? Or is this what's bothering you? Are you upset about something? Are you sad about something? Um, or are you angry with someone? Did someone hurt you? Give them a scale. Let them answer that way. Yeah. And then you could figure out, help them figure out what's bothering them. So I did this with Isaac, and Isaac, his response was, and I had to, I had to send it to Zach, of course, and then he had to Instagram it, um, was, what was it? He, Seagull, he was scared seagulls were going to come and rip his skin off <laughs> outside, outside of our house in Jennings, okay? So, he so. Didn't, the, the moral of the story is basically what it came down to is, why don't you want to play outside? Well, I hear seagulls swoop down, and they will tear your skin off. Like, What? Where did you even learn this? So I have to admit, a few times we were at the beach, I was like, seagulls! He's like, ah! <laughs> um, anyway. But really, the whole point of all this is, like, there's going to be things that are affecting <laughs> your kids that you don't know about. And if you don't lean into that to figure it out and to help them engage on what's going on, help them figure it out, then it's going to create distance. Well, well think, about, think about this. Think about how much information you're inundated with in one day. And then think about the information and the things that all of your kids are inundated with every day and the things that they're processing. So if you're too busy to not speak to maybe some of the things that they're processing, could it be that because of that, they grow up believing something that was never true? And all they needed was their mom and dad to just lean in and say, 
oh, buddy, no, you know, seagulls will not swoop down and tear your skin off, okay? Like, if a seagull swoops down, you just grab that thing and you choke that thing out, you know what I mean? So, but, but it's true, it's a silly, silly example, but these are things that they truly end up believing, and, and oftentimes we're too busy looking at this yeah. thing that we miss it. But, I mean, that's a funny example, but it, if your kids are watching TV, then the TV is going to teach them how, how relationships function, what a wife is supposed to look like, what a husband's supposed to look like, if you're not leaning into that and explaining. Absolutely, yeah. So, so and oftentimes, here's the thing. I, I think this is the most dangerous thing that is happening to our culture right now is because we have information in every, literally everything at our fingertips. There, in, in the generation that we live in now, you don't ever have to have an opportunity to be bored. You can always occupy it with something. So you can, you, man, you can give a child an iPad, you can give a child a phone, you can give a child a, a, a controller or, or whatever, stick them in front of the TV. And the truth is, I'm not saying that all these things are bad, but what I'm saying is when they're doing those things, they're learning. Whether you realize it or not, they're processing, they're learning, and they're going to they're gonna be processing thoughts. And unless they have you, their parent, the most influential person uh, in their life, lean in and say, hey, I know you saw that, but you do know that's fake, right? You do know that's not real. You do know that, or, or we do things on TV. Why don't you talk about when we're watching TV and we pause it sometimes just to talk about those things? Yeah, um, we, we do that in a lot of different things. But, I mean, this is, we all struggle in this, okay, guys? And there, are, there is times in the day for you to just say, hey, take, that, take the iPad and just spend a few minutes. I need to collect my thoughts and not freak out on everyone. Okay, yeah. we all have that. I do that too. But um, we pause the TV at different times and we just share, like, for example, if there's something going on where a, a child is, like, going wacko, trying to control their parents or saying all kinds of crazy stuff, we can pause it and say, hey, you know, why would they, is that okay to do that? And why not? Why is it better to trust what God says and obey your parents? Yeah. Um, or in relationship things even, like we, we've paused it there and said, okay, you know, this is not, this is not how dad should love, this is not how dad Absolutely. on TV should love the wife, is it? Um, and what does God say about this? Or Yeah. Well, and, and not only that, uh, and I'm I know this is kind of getting deep for a second, and we, let's dig into this for a second. But think about it this way. In the end, as a parent, your greatest job is establishing a legacy for that child. And it would be a shame for you to miss out on it because you were too worried of posting a status on Facebook. You know, and, and the truth is, most of us, if we're blatantly honest with ourselves, and myself included, I'm not just pointing fingers here, where we have taken more... Um, importance in this device or in this thing rather than leaning into a child that's asking a serious question and we kind of just blow it off because hey you're an inconvenience to me and you're bothering me and I need to get back because dad had a long day Um, and the truth is like this goes back to what we were saying earlier if you could just accept that parenting is going to be exhausting for a season especially in the younger years and I'm sure we haven't hit the teenage years and I've heard it's worse Um, but um but if you could just accept it, hey, this is what life is right now. And we're going to have joy in the middle of this, in the middle of it being hard, in the middle of us having to be tired. Yeah. Um, so the second thing, or the, or should I say the third, so we talked about two things. What are some areas that we need tuning in? Our own personal selfishness, our own personal busyness. And then the third thing is, is we need to learn to seek out wisdom from others. Because listen, if you haven't figured out the answer already on your own, you're not going to figure it out. <laughs> and oftentimes there is it'll this... It'll take you pr- a lot longer. If you do figure it out, it'll just take you a lot longer and a lot of frustration. It, it's true. So this is, yet again, another life group plug, community plug. But the truth is, the reason that we need other people is sometimes you may have an issue that you're dealing with with your child or with your kid, and you don't know how to, to deal with it. And honestly, maybe the answer is literally waiting in somebody else. So, hey, I'm dealing with this. And they said, oh, I dealt with that two years ago. Let me show you what I did. Let me explain to you what I did. Um, the fourth thing is, is we've got to learn to hear our child out, any age. So why don't you explain that? Yeah, I think we, we spoke to it a little earlier. But if you notice the countenance of your child, or you notice their face just drop, or they, they seem upset by something, or their, their mood changes quickly— engage that. Don't just like blow it off or say, well, just you need to snap out of that. Yes, sometimes you need to say you need to snap out of it, but engage it to help them snap out. 
um, oftentimes a child, they haven't um, grown up, up enough to know what's bothering them. So they need an adult, their parent, to sit down and help them figure that out. So I guess it said that that's a younger child, that's a teenager, that's um, your spouse even. Yeah. <laughs> Sitting, if you notice their countenance change, then engage that. Don't just walk off and ignore it. Or yeah. just fuss at them and be angry that they're inconveniencing you um, and tell them to snap out of it. You need to help them. Absolutely. So it's just, it's recognizing those things. Hey, they're off. As a parent, you know when your child's off, right? You know, you know their countenance is different. You know their attitude is different. You know the way that they're talking to the other siblings are different. So it's you just, all right, I'm going to put the phone aside. I'm going to turn the TV off. I'm going to take some space and time right here. I'm going to enter in, and I'm going to deal with this. And look, the truth is, oftentimes it is inconvenient. Um, kids don't have, like, this gauge of, like, hey, mom and dad are busy right now, so I think that, you know what, I will just let them do what they, they need to do. No, I, think, kids, I think they actually have a gauge to say, oh, they're busy. Oh, I'm going to do something, and <laughs> <laughs> let's interrupt now. That's the time. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever heard the uh, Jim Gaffigan joke. It's hilarious. I think it depicts parenting so well. But uh, he, he, he shares this joke where he's like, so – I don't know what it is about kids in, in bedtime, but I feel like it's a hostage situation in reverse. Um, so meaning like, if you will just stay in that room, I will give you whatever you want. And then he, he goes in further in the joke, and then he's like, okay, so let's take shifts annoying them while they sleep. All right, you take the 2 a.m. shift, you take the 4 a.m. shift, you wake up at 6 really early. You know, dad didn't have a good sleep the night before, so you annoy him from 6 to 7. I'll take from 8 to 9. You know, and we literally, but our kids think this way. They, they don't look at, listen, th- and I remember being a child, I saw my dad as just, hey, I'm your son, and you're available to me whenever I need you. I remember my dad counseling and, uh, for church things, or he's, he, I remember many, many times there'd be somebody, a lady, like, or a couple that my dad's doing marriage counseling in his home office, and me and my brothers would be like, what's up, dad? And, like, we would just walk in. You know, we, didn't, we had no, like, filter, no, like, hey, what he's doing is important. And so kids don't think that way. And so it's leaning in to really understand how they see the world and how they view it and, and really helping them to understand those things. Um, let's speak to this for a moment because I think that this is really huge, and I think this is something that we all deal with. I, wanna, I just want to remind all of us that discipline and correction is, is meant to be restorative. It's not meant to be a punishment. Um, so why don't you talk about that? I, this was, like, totally eye-opening for me. I, my kids are pro- my youngest was probably two whenever I, I heard this for the first time, and I was just, like, blown away, had no idea. I thought they sinned, and then you punish them, or you give them a consequence to show them that, that that's bad and that's wrong. And in reality, when God gives us cor- um, correction, and when he gives us a consequence, it's to pull us back to himself. Yeah. It's to say that joy is not found that way. Joy is found in me. Come back to me. So I feel like with our children, a lot of times if we don't have that always, always, always in our mind, then we will instead punish to, um, to just to, to make them not do it again. Or to, we give them consequences out of anger and frustration a lot of times, or out of embarrassment. How many of y'all have been in public and your kids have said something embarrassing and you're like, oh my God, or done something embarrassing? Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think we all have, if we're going to be honest. Um, so if we've done that and then we, in, we correct them because of that embarrassment, then, and we don't do that because of sin. I Look, I've done it before. But if we're not correcting them for sin, if we're correcting them for embarrassment or for um, just there, they didn't know any better, then we're not really correcting at the way that God would have us. Absolutely. Um, so I feel like instead we, we correct, we discipline for sin. Um, and, um, with doing that, then we'll draw them back to God. If we, um, if we do yeah. it in a, the right heart. Well, absolutely. And you think about it this way, God never leans in on you and says, I'm going to punish you. He leans in on you and says, I'm going to give you that consequence because you sinned, but the consequence is meant to bring you back to me. So to say, like, ow, the fire burned, and I never want to touch that again kind of deal. And so I think a lot of times as parents, we give consequences and we give punishment because of how it made us feel as a parent. So, for, for instance, you know, like we said, you can walk into many situations, and little kids, they don't have filters. 
you know, at all. I remember being, I think I told this story when we first started the church. I remember literally being in Crowley, like our first like week in Crowley. We're going and every parent knows this, this deal. You're in the store and you're potty training and my son Eli's like, oh, dad, I gotta go number two. I'm like, can you please just hold it, son? He's like, I can't. So I'm like, all right. So we walk in the Walmart bathroom and there is a guy you know, in the stall. Stall's obviously locked. He's got, he's got his thing going on, okay? And my son's in here, and he's just waiting. He's like, oh, God. He's like, are you pooping in there? Please hurry. I'm like, oh, my God. Get out of here, son. Like, you will. <laughs> now, we, y'all all know what we want to do in that moment. <laughs> we want to give some correction. We, we, we want to discipline them. Absolutely. We want to say, you do not do that again. I cannot believe you. But he didn't know he didn't know yeah. any better. It wasn't so, sin. So take a moment like that, and sometimes what we end up doing is we, we shame our children. We give them a consequence. And the truth is, he had no idea that that would be embarrassed. And it, to be honest with you, it wasn't sinful. It wasn't. And so as parents, the only thing, when we give consequences, make sure that those consequences are given. So, hey, you're going to learn this, but it's going to restore you back to Christ. It's going to restore you back. Like This consequence is only given because I want you to see the fault of your sin so that ultimately that you can see that God is better, that God is better. That's why we give those punishments, and that's why we give— well, we don't give punishments. We give corrections that ultimately restore them back to Christ. So another way to say it is we correct and we discipline for sin, um, but not because they've embarrassed us or bothered us or whatever it may be. So Charles Spurgeon said it this way, and I kind of think this sums up point one. Um, and I literally can't think of a better quote to kind of uh, end point one. It says this, train up your child in the way they should go. We know that proverb, right? But then he ends the quote with this, but make sure you go that way yourself. So convicting. <laughs> train up a child in the way that they should go, but make sure you go that way yourself. So here's the thing. Man, many parents, they want go to church kids, but they just, they don't come. I want my child to know God. I want my child to do this. I want him to have a better life. Maybe, maybe you, you parent out of the way that, man, my parents were never there for me. My dad never did this for me. My mom never did this for me. And you're adamant about my kids are going to have this. They're going to do this. They're going to have this. But the truth is, if you want them to have all of God, you've got to prove it to them. You've got to show it um, to them. So the, the second practical thing that we're going to talk about. So the first one was, <clears throat> excuse me. Only allow God to work in you first. The second thing is, is we're going to kind of wrap everything into this. As you go about life, weave God in. So if you want to model what Christ is like to your children, as you do life, just weave God in the mix of everything that you do. So let's read the scripture, and then we'll, we'll explain it this way. Why don't you read it? Okay. Deuteronomy eleven eighteen to 21 says... So commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these words of mine. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, and when you're getting up. Write them on your doorposts of your house and on your gates, so that as long as the sky remains above the earth, you and your children may flourish in the land the Lord swore to give to your ancestors. So we're going we're gonna to take this verse. They're gonna, if you guys want to just leave it on the screen, um, what we're going to do is we're going to kind of break this down a little bit and show you like practically what this means for you in this moment in life right now. Because, go ahead. I was just going to say, guys, this is not overwhelming. I know it feels overwhelming to incorporate God into your kids. You probably feel like you have to make a whole sermon for them like every day, every week. And that's what yeah. it's supposed to look like. I can't, how am I supposed to prepare this whole thing? Okay, children, let's, our Father, <laughs> yeah. God, I invite you into this moment. Please speak to us. And, like, you don't have to do that. It's as you're throwing chicken nuggets back in your car to your kid, engage them in a conversation that helps them know God. Yeah. Like, something simple, like, as you go about life. Well, and I think for too long in churches, we've made this, this relationship with God, it has to be done a particular way. So it means, like, if you want to know God, you've got to wake up at 6 o'clock in the morning. You obviously have to have coffee. You obviously have to sit down and listen to worship music for 30 minutes. And then you obviously have to read your Bible for an hour. And, and you have to do, like, it's like this ceremonial thing. But the truth is, I really don't believe that a relationship with God should look like that in any regard. I think that as you go about life, that you're weaving God in at every single moment. 
uh, Brother Lawrence, who wrote a, a, a book called Practicing the Presence of God. Um, he was a German monk, and he kind of, it, it was revelational to me, but one of the things that he talks about is, man, just everything that I did, I tried to involve God in it. As I'm cooking chicken for all the other monks, like I'm praying and I'm thinking about God, or as I'm driving on my way to work, man, I can pop my headphones in and I can listen to music, or whatever it is, it's very um, organic. So something as simple as, let's look at, when you're looking at the stars with your kids, out when it's nice outside, you can say, look how powerful God is, that he created the stars, that he's so huge, but that he loves you. Absolutely. That he knows you. He cares about what you deal with. He cares about your heart. That's something as simple as whatever's around you, use it to incorporate it in, into their love for God. Yeah. Well, and then, and then even just entering in on their level. So if your kids are like playing with Play-Doh or playing with Legos or doing whatever it is that they're doing, like just enter into the craft with them and begin to create conversation. Um, so let's actually look at what does the scripture says. So one of the um, things that it says is this, talk about them when you're at home. So meaning this, talk about the words of God, talk about all the good things that God has done when you're at your house. So, so have a moment where you can talk about that. And as my wife said earlier, you know, I think for a long time as parents, we used to think like, so every night before bed, we have to gather up all the children. Now, that children, is overwhelming. Yeah. <laughs> it, is, it goes you bad. Know, Children, sit on your father's lap, and I shall read the scriptures to you. Like, you know, like, we think it has to be done, like, this particular way, and if you're not doing that, then you're failing, and they're missing out, and they're not getting the word of God in them. But if you could just learn to make it a part of your everyday conversation um, yeah, in life. A practical thing that we do at dinner time, we do high lows. So yeah. we ask, what was the best part of your day? And then everyone answers, and then we say, what's the worst part of your day? And everyone answers. So it's just a small way that we can engage our kids and they can tell us. And you get to see a lot about their life. What if they think a low is the having to wake up early or you, get to, you just get to learn a lot about, um, about them and how they view life. Yeah. And if you create those little things, and, and here's the thing, every family is different. So we're going to give you some practicals and you don't have to do exactly what we do because it may not work for your family. So the high-low thing, we actually stole that from somebody else. It wasn't like an original idea. Um, but for us, it just works. Because now every, every single time we sit down for dinner, um, like Claire and I don't even have to say it. Our two-year-old's like, high lows. <laughs> like, he just says it every time. And anybody that's probably watched our kids will know when you sit down for dinner, well, why is it high lows? What the heck is that? Um, but it, it allows us to begin to create conversation about what were the best parts of their day and the low parts of their day. And now we know where our kids are at, like what they're processing, what they're thinking, what they're going through. Um, the second thing that the scripture actually says, says when you're on the road, when you're on the road. So, so meaning this, all of us, we, we drive to go pick up kids. Maybe we have a commute. We always are putting kids in a van or in a car or whatever. And here's what, we're, here's what I think practically what the scriptures would say. Don't pawn all the drives off on technology. So like, man, you have 20 minutes, you have five minutes, you have 10 minutes in a closed-in space, your kids are actually strapped down. They can't go anywhere, you know? You have their full, undivided attention for 5, 10, 20 minutes. And don't pawn it off on an iPad or a DVD player or whatever. Actually engage them. There's actually a time, I'll let you explain this, but Claire took, I think it was about a 10, 15-minute drive to engage our 7-year-old on a Okay, so when we got home from school, well, when we got in the car from school, um, I was asking, how was school? Was it good? Was it bad? All this <laughs> stuff. Well, my oldest son was saying, yeah, but uh, my teacher just, she fussed at me when I was showing, uh, my, I was showing one of the other kids that had a splinter. So I was like, oh, okay, well, uh, what would she say? And I said, uh, pretty much what he did, he, had, he flipped a kid off accidentally because he was showing him that he had a, he had a a splinter in his finger, and he was just like, I was just showing him the splinter. Like, I don't know why, I don't know why I got, I don't know why so she said not to do it. basically going around everybody showing them. Yeah, the and, and <laughs> with the middle finger, and he had no idea. He did, he's like, I don't know why she fussed at me. I don't know why it was, so basically, I guess what we're saying is if you just listen to it, emo, uh, you know, with, if you just listen to it um, right away, then you'd be like, oh my god, I can't believe you did that, and like wig out on him, right? Mm-hmm. The second thing is to take it a step further and actually hear what they were saying. He wasn't trying. He had no idea. So I don't want to, 
I don't want to fuss at him when yeah. his intentions were pure, and he was just trying to show up a splinter. So, does that make sense? No, absolutely. And I think what we're trying to say is this, that, and I, why we want you to see the scripture is weaving God in in every aspect of life. So, so meaning that, like, that conversation happened in just a commute back to the house, Okay? And I think that sometimes we make it like it has to be done like this particular way and we overwhelm ourselves with all these things that we have to do. But if we could just consciously be aware of moments in time throughout the day where you can just spark a conversation, then guess what? That's you as a parent leaning in and teaching your kids about Jesus. Now, the, uh, the third thing that it talks about is when you're going to bed. So when you're going to bed. You know, pray over them. Ask them, how, how, is, how is your day? Speak encouragement to the person that you want them to become. So don't just say, hey, get in bed and be so frustrated with them not going to bed or, or whatever it may be. But take that moment. Take those two minutes, those five minutes or whatever it is. And to be honest with you, you may not realize it. You may find it as monotonous as, a, you know, why does me telling them goodnight or, you know, snuggling with them when they go to bed, why does that really mean anything to them? And the truth is, don't do it for, if you have created a consistency and you don't do it for a few nights or two, your kids will start asking for it. Hey, Dad, can you come lay with me? Dad, can you come do this? Can you? And you don't realize how important that time is and honestly how shaping that time is for them. I can't tell you how many times I've laid in a bed with my seven-year-old or my little girl and asking, like, they're, pro- they're laying down processing, assessing these deep thoughts. So I'll give you an example. So... A few nights ago, or this is actually probably a few weeks ago, um, the boys um, are joking about something, and uh, they end up teasing Amelia. And I think it was, I don't remember exactly what the topic was, but I think she had like some lipstick on, and they didn't like the color of her lipstick or something. And so they were teasing about that, and like it just totally destroyed her. Like broke her heart, like the boys think I'm basically ugly, or, or whatever it was. And so it was time for her to go to bed. And uh, so she's laying, as I've, I've talked to her, uh, you know, uh, the boys, uh, uh, they got it that night. Um, so after I finished disciplining them, I make sure, I'm like, are you okay? You know, you're beautiful. You know, it doesn't matter what they think about your lipstick color or whatever. And I'm speaking life into her. And so she seems fine. So I go lay her down in bed. And then I pass by and I see her just sobbing in her bed, like just crying. And so I go in, and like literally for probably like 30 minutes, I just lay with her, I talk with her, I try to enter in, and didn't realize like how much as a four-year-old, how much that she's actually processing, and how much like words actually meant to her. So when they're going to bed at night, you don't even realize like how much it means to your kids to be able to, okay, I'm going to lay with you, I'm going to talk with you, and I'm going to enter into that pain or that problem that you may have. Do you want to speak to that? Um. Then the last thing the scripture actually says is write them on your doorposts of your house. Isaac's already done this for us. <laughs> He's taken that scripture literally. Um, so, so meaning this, like literally write things on your walls. Like remind yourself. Claire painted a chalkboard in our house, in our kitchen, and she's always writing stuff on it, reminding us. Uh, A few weeks ago, she came home, and she had these little two chalk things in our bathroom, and she'll just write things down on it. And it's simple things that, man, your kids can see it. It might be artwork, but you don't realize, like, man, after five years of reading the same thing, maybe it actually finally gets into them. Like, you're creating a home, and you're creating an environment for your children, when, when I think when the scripture says literally write it on your walls, it literally means like write it on your walls. And make it evident to you, remind yourself whatever it takes. Yeah, like create artwork that reminds you to want to pursue God, reminds your kids to want to pursue Christ. So as we kind of bring this to a close, I want to leave you with a question, something for you to walk out of here and ponder as a parent. And the question is this, what do you want most in your parenting? What do you want most in your parenting? What do you want to be known for as a dad? What do you want to be known for as a mother? When your kids grow up one day and they say that one thing, man, my dad always fill in the blank, or my mom always fill in the blank. 
What do you want to be remembered for? What do you want to be known for? And Claire put it so eloquently um, as we were talking about this. Why don't you actually tell them? Um, go ahead. Sure. If you don't take action on whatever you're thinking about now, if you don't take action on that now, whatever you want most, then it's going to become your greatest regret one day. I'm sure, especially when it comes to your kids, guys. I mean, me, I think about that, and I'm so convicted. I'm so challenged. I want it to be, I, I, it takes so much intentionality to do this well. It takes so much of God in us to do this well. Yeah. And I think for all of you, whatever you're saying, you want it to be, whether it be your, God, your kids grow up to love and glorify God and to live for God, to be passionate about Jesus, if that's what you want most, whatever, what do you need to do now to get there? What can you do? What are some steps that you can take to help give that to your kids? Yeah, um, absolutely. If you don't do something now, though, it's going to be your greatest regret, and you don't want that. Yeah, you don't want to come back 10, 20 years from now going, man, I had the idea to do that. I wanted to do that, and, and I never did. And, and so here's the thing. like, Whatever God is convicting you with now this is the thing that you need to walk out of here and say, okay, what necessary steps do I need to take to begin to fulfill that, to live that out? Man, my, my parents, though I have not always agreed with them, whether I want to say it or not, admit it or not, they've, they've been one of the most influential shaping parts in my life. And can I tell you one of the one things that I remember that I've, that I've always remembered about my dad? is every single day that I would wake up in the morning, I saw him pursuing Jesus. Every day. He was always in his office, coffee in hand, face deep in the Bible. Always. And there was seldomly a day that went by that I did not see that. And so listen, some of you in here are today as parents and you're going, man, I'm blowing it. I haven't done any of that. I'm not pursuing God as I should be. Guess what? Get over the regret of the past. Know that God forgives you of that. And so do your children if you would learn to just make things right and say, Dad, hey, I blew it. I messed it up. Mom, Dad, we, 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 we screwed some things up. But you know what? From this day forward, it's not going to be like this anymore. From this day forward, you're going to see Dad pursuing Christ. From this day forward, you're going to see Dad loving your mom. From this day forward, you make a commitment. You make a decision. And listen, honestly, I know some of you guys are in different boats. Some of you guys, you're single moms out there. You're single dads out there. And going, how does this apply to me? Listen, the greatest thing, if you're a single mother, that you need is not another man. The greatest thing that you need right now as a single mom, you need community and you need to pursue a relationship with Jesus. It's the greatest thing that you need. Because listen, having another man in your life is not going to complete you. It's not going to make you whole. It's not going to give you the thing that you need. At the end of the day, it's why we put it in point one. And I believe if you're a parent or you're not a parent in here, it applies to you. The first thing that you need to go do and say, am I allowing God to work in me? Because if I am, then whatever issues are going on in my heart, if God's putting his finger on those issues in my heart and I'm allowing him to do that, then everything else is going to begin to flesh out. 